the last few weeks, we've been looking at a series that we have been calling Scared of Heights. And we've been looking at this invitation to climb higher. And the thing about it is it's so good in life when you climb higher because you begin to see things like you've never seen them before. You experience things like you've never experienced before. You, you have things that happen in your life that you'll never forget about. And there's different ways that we climb higher. I, I, I know sometimes one of the ways we climb higher is through worship. Okay, I'm just being honest. And, and, and a couple of weeks ago, there was a little girl. How many was here when Olivia, is it Olivia, is that their name? The little, little, little gold girl, is Olivia? When little Olivia came up on stage, oh my gosh, she was so adorable. She's just sitting here just bouncing and worshiping and loving Jesus. And, and next thing you know, she's here bouncing and worshiping and loving Jesus. Nobody told her to go up there. She just hopelessly abandoned herself to the things of God. And she came up and she's danced. And I, I'll tell you what was neat. She climbed higher in that moment in a sense. And when she did, the Bible says a child will lead them, right? I don't know about y'all. I was right here. And I felt like I was like, like seven. I just, I wanted to, you know what I mean? I just, I, and then it just kind of crept across the whole congregation where there was just this joy in our hearts. Why? Because a little girl climbed a little higher. And she can't be more than four or five Years old, it was so beautiful. Now there's other people here that are going, man, this is a lot for me, Ross. I mean, being in church alone is big. I get that. Some of y'all come in here thinking the place would burn down when you walked in. And it didn't. You know why? Because we all need Jesus up in here. You know, it's a good place for you. But here's the thing about it. Some people, they come in and they feel that, that, that sense that I'm going to step out and they'll climb higher and worship. And so next thing you know, they do this. They do the carry the television. You know, and this don't make you more spiritual. I, you know, it's, there is something about aligning our body to our spirit that kind of opens us up for something more. I get, you know, but, and then others, you know, they'll progress and you'll see people go full on touchdown worship, you know, it's awesome. Or pistol to Jesus worship, pistol to the Lord, pistol to the Lord. And there's others here going, there ain't no way I'm ever doing that. I'll go back to a Presbyterian church. <laughs> now listen, you were mad at that joke, but that's all right, because you were predestined to be mad at that joke. It's okay. Go after church, drink it off, it's all right. You won't. There's some values to being a Presbyterian. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. All right, so... That's horrible. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I'm so glad my merit to go to heaven does not depend on my preaching, you know? <laughs> and it's all about the grace of Jesus, and, and I'm accepted. Glory. So when it comes down to this idea of climbing higher, it's not just an invitation for you to climb higher. Just like little Olivia, when she started to climb a little higher in worship, it was an invitation for us all to climb higher. And so you got to understand, when it comes to you taking these steps to live out these corporate core values of our church, but more importantly, values for your life, you're going to invite other people to climb with you. It's an invitation to climb higher. But when you take those steps, other folks start to take those steps, and it's awesome. And so it's an invitation to help others climb higher. But if you're going to climb higher, listen, you have to do something. You have to be intentional. Everybody say the word intentional. Say intentional. Say it one more time. That young man, those young men, those crazy people on them things, every one of those hand moves was intentional. That, they, they weren't, he wasn't haphazardly just swinging them up, you know. He, he, was, he was intentional about every. Now, now, when he got on that one tube at the end, 
and he stood up, and at the end, you could see him dance a little to the end. I don't think that was real intentional. I think that boy got a little scared. <laughs> I do. But for the most part, that young man is very intentional in all his movements. If you're going to climb higher, you have to be, right? The word intentionality means this, the act of being deliberate or purposeful. The act of being deliberate or purposeful. I believe that there's a move that's taking place in this church because of the presence of the Lord in the last month that took place because a young man by the name of Andrew Norman was purposeful in a Sunday morning service. Where are you at, Andrew? You were here. I saw you earlier. Where are you? I love you, buddy. I'm serious. You will be a mark in the history of this church, at least in my heart, forever. Because on that day, you could sense God moving. We never did an altar call. We never did. And he grabbed the hand of his wife, and he brought her to an altar all by himself. And there was a reason behind that. They'd had horrible loss, the loss of a child. And a couple weeks later, or a week later, they're going to have another baby. You saw little Ryland up here, so beautiful and so perfect. They have two children, amen? One here to hold and one in heaven waiting on them, amen? But I do, I'm serious. He took a step. There was an intentionality. I don't even know if he meant that that morning. But there was a purposeful intentionality that brought the Normans to the altar. And when it did, it opened wide something that we have been walking in the last few weeks. I really do believe it opened wide a heaven over this house that we've been able to just not miss that opportunity. And week after week, we're embracing that opportunity. Amen? What does it look like when you live intentional outside the four walls of this church? It looks... Like something that brings the favor of God. It looks like something that brings the blessing of God, the move of God, the touch of God. It looks like something that makes a difference because you accept the invitation to climb higher. You bring others higher with you. Isn't that awesome? Every person in that video was walking, climbing, doing what they did to get higher intentionally. Tonight, there is a sports ball tournament. And two sports ball teams from... Two opposing big cities are going to get together for like the, 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 the universal sports ball championship of the world. It's going to happen tonight, right? Can you tell I'm a World Cup fan? <laughs> All right, I, I'm a soccer geek. But still, when it comes down to it, just listen. Those football players, you know, old Mayton Panning, he never got <laughs> to where he is today. Without intentionality. That young man from all the way back in Pop Warner days of the football leagues, he was intentional. And tonight he'll be able to lead his team. I, I'm torn. There's OSU guys that are playing for the Panthers, you know, and I'm an OSU fan. And so I kind of want the Panthers win because, you know, OH. Yes. All right. But on the other side, man, it would be nice to see Peyton Manning finish. It's time for him to finish. And it would be nice for him to finish on top, right? Sometimes you just got to quit, buddy. Your forehead can't get any bigger, you know? I, I'm, not, I'm sorry, that was horrible. <laughs> but it's time. All right, so the football players tonight in that Super Bowl game, they've had years of living intentionally before they were invited to the big league, right? And I want you guys to listen to me. God wants to invite you to the big league, all right? Your family needs you to walk into the big league when it comes to living out life. We're not Pop Warner children anymore. We are children of the living God, but we raise up as the righteousness of God. Amen? And we become mature, and we become different. And yeah, we stumble, and yeah, we struggle. You know, but if you're, now listen, if you're a new believer in here, man, you're still slobbering on your side. You're like these babies. I get it. 
But I'll hear people say, well, you know, I wasn't raised in church. I heard a guy tell me this not too long ago. I wasn't raised in church. Okay. But he's telling me how he's been saved 15 years. Wow, you could have been a doctor by now in anything. Anything in 15 years. Neuroscientist of some sort in 15, right? You know what I'm saying? Listen, if you're here and you've been saved a long time, stop it. Stop saying I wasn't raised in church and so I've got an excuse not to grow, an excuse not to be intentional and to come up into the big league. Stop it. You're a child of God. He's given you all the resources that you need, the Bible says, for righteousness, you know? And I'm not perfected either, but I'm a whole lot better than I was a year ago. And next year, I'm hoping to be a little bit better. I may have a setback. I'm not going to quit, but I'm going to keep going, and I'm not going to say, well, you know, I really wasn't raised in church, you know? Does that make sense? And here's the thing. Intentionality will take you to the big leagues. Your family needs you to walk into the big leagues. Guys at work... They need you to walk into the big leagues. They, they need you to rise up into all that God has. That's why we're going to teach on the Holy Spirit here in a few weeks. How many is ready to teach, hear about the Holy Spirit and what God wants to do in your life through the person of the Holy Spirit? That's because he's inviting us to the big leagues. Woohoo! That's awesome. You know, not the sidelines. Right there, the big leagues, doing what God has. But that comes with intentionality. And when you look at Scripture, Jesus always models to us everything we need to know about godliness and righteousness. And so I want us to turn our Bibles to John chapter 4, and I want us to stand to our feet. We're going to look at the intentionality of Jesus. Would you say that Jesus walked in the big leagues? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He, he grew, the Bible says, in, in favor with God and with man. I mean, he, he grew in stature, and he grew in his, 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 his ability, if you will. I mean, he was always God, but he stayed connected to the Father. Because in the earth, he was 100% man as well, just like us. And so I want to look at this passage. This is a great scripture. This is the story of the woman at the well. It says, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. Say, he had to pass through. (laughs) Say it one more time. He had to pass through. He had a pastor. He came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, say, Jesus wearied. He was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I want you to see all the intentionality of Jesus in this scripture. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give, him will never thirst again. The water that I give will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have come here to draw water. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this passage that we can see the intentionality of our Savior. 
Lord, allow it to stir us to live intentionally. Father God, I thank you that in this scripture we'll see today that you give us an invitation to intentionality. And Father God, we'll finish today as we look at your word that you give us the fruit of intentionality. That you allow us to see that you have a plan and a purpose as we partner with you to do great and mighty things. God, help us today to embrace this with everything we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have your seat if you would. Don't you believe Jesus lived intentionally? Just in everything. I mean, obviously in this scripture we start to see some intentionality, but don't you think he lived? It wasn't like he's walking like, oh my gosh, I'm on the water. I'm walking on the water. Who, who figure, go figure, I'm, on, I'm walking. Hey, I'm walking on the water. Look at the. No, he's intentional. He knew what he was doing, right? It wasn't like, oh, this little bird is, oh, it's healed. It was a broken winged bird. It's healed. How, how in the, no, he's in, he took the bread. Blessed the bread. He broke the bread. He gave the bread to his disciples. He commissioned his disciples. They went out and they dispersed the bread. And just a few loaves ended up feeding thousands on a hillside. That sounds intentional, doesn't it? I think that's awesome. All throughout Scripture, we see the intention of Jesus. He would go to a place that was quiet, a place of solitude. And he would seek the Father. Why? Because like us, we need to seek the Father. To be able to know the will that we should walk in. Jesus was no different. He was 100% man and very limited in some ways apart from the moving of the Spirit of God on his life. He chose to live that way. And so with that, the same way he models to us that we need time with God in mind. We need to pull aside and and fill up from him and, and be intentional about that. Same way as Jesus. Jesus was very intentional. And in this scripture in verse 4, you see something that says this, that Jesus had to go through or pass through Samaria. Now, the way it would work in this time, if you're a good Jew, you wouldn't even put foot in Samaria. Samaria, when the Assyrians came down in around 720 AD, when the Assyrians, or um, BC, when the Assyrians came down, the northern tribes of Israel kind of mingled with them, and their pagan religion got intermixed with their Jewish faith, and it became this group of people called the Samaritans. So the religion was definitely not Judaism. They looked at the first five books of the, of the Old Testament called the Pentateuch, and that's all they follow was the first five books. But even that, they twisted it and made it work with their religion. So a good Jew would not even look at that person as somebody of proper faith, a background. They would have treated them poorly or ignored them altogether. And a good Jew coming from Judea, they would actually take, as they were coming from Galilee, they would actually step aside over the river, come down outside of Samaria, and then walk back over the river into the next portion of Israel. They would not walk even through. And here it says that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. I don't want you to miss this. This word used here in the Greek, it doesn't speak of the idea of geographic necessity. He didn't have to, all right, walk through or pass through Samaria. It wasn't geographic necessity. What I mean by this, how many live here? Uh, you live in Ackworth. Raise your hand. How many people in Ackworth? Man, okay, so we may start a church in Ackworth. Okay, I, the first service, it was so funny because I was like, how many in Ackworth? Nobody. I'm like, well, I know where we're not going to start one of these churches someday. No, no. But Ackworth, if you came across from Ackworth on Highway 92 and you say to yourself, hey, I'm going to go from Ackworth to Roswell, guess what? You're going to pass through Woodstock, Right? It's a geographic necessity on Highway 92 to go from Ackworth to Roswell. You have to pass through Woodstock. That's not what this is saying. In the the Greek word here, it, it, it means a divine necessity. 
He had, he was implored, he was drawn upon. The the, the divine nature of God was calling out to him to pass through that region. It speaks to the fact that Jesus' agenda for the day was subject to. His agenda for the day was submitted to the sovereign and providential plan of God. Not geographic necessity, divine necessity. And he would submit his life. Can I ask you something? When it comes to living intentionally, do you live your life in such a way that your agenda for the day is subject to the plans of God? If you do, guess what? It gets good. You get these God stories that start to happen. You you see as you climb higher that you start to invite others to climb higher. You start to have testimonies and stories of life change. and, and, And oh my goodness, can I say if it's been a long time maybe since you've had some of them God stories, it may be that you're not letting them intersect with intentionality the agenda of your day. It may be. Now, it could be that the ceiling is brass right now. How many is going through some seasons where the ceiling is brass and you pray and it's like your prayers hit it and bounce to the floor and you go, God, I don't understand. I feel like I'm doing everything right. I've been there too. But I just want to be honest. I think more times than not, it's because I wasn't living intentionally, you know. And so here we see Jesus modeling to us this idea of intentionality, and he had to go through Samaria. There was a woman in Samaria that everybody else had discounted. A woman in Samaria that everybody else, every rabbi coming through would have avoided her. But Jesus, he had to. He had to. He had to pass through because he knew he was going to intersect with this woman. And in the midst of that, he was going to be able to offer her a life-giving drink that will never, never run dry. Ah, it's good stuff, you know. In our lives, I want to ask you, do you live your life again, let me say, in such a way that your agenda for the day is subject to the plans of God. We have a family in the church. We have a lot of families in the church. But this morning, I want to watch the video as we highlight a family in the church because this family does live in such a way that they live intentionally and they allow God to use them weekly. Watch this. Thank you. 
Like I said, there's many dozens that do this, but can you thank the cultists for what they do, amen? Pastor, what's the scope of what they do? What's the scope of what they do? I'll tell you what they do. They do something we call around here, serve one, go to one. Everybody say, serve one, go to one. What that means, and it's especially important in the children's ministry, and it's a huge commitment, all right? But what that means is this, that they literally every single week serve those kids and then come to a church service every week. Well, wait a second. You mean like once a month? No, 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 no. Like every week. Every week that they're not on vacation, and they take vacations, all right? But every week that they're not on vacation, every week, that's their kids. That's their ministry. That's their small group. And as a family, they've decided to do it together. That's pretty cool. And so every Sunday they come in, same time, same service, same kids, same week-to-week thing. And they come in, they love on those kids every week, and it builds consistency. And so in a sense, they're climbing higher, and they're working away from their own agenda, and they're doing something that's really a commitment, but it's taking kids higher into the things of God. Isn't that cool? I think it's awesome. Man, it blows my mind. And there's many others in this church that do serve one and go to one. There's ushers that do it. There's, there's um, security people that do it. There's, there's people that, that all, I mean, all the band does it. Sometimes people won't see the band in both services. It's because they, they've been here since early in the morning, and then they do a service, and then they, they don't want to hear me twice. I don't, I don't want to hear me twice. <laughs> that's, why Pastor, that's why Pastor Brantley preached last week. Speaking of that, oh my goodness. Wow. Didn't Pastor Brantley bring a word? Man, when I grow up, I want to be as boring as Pastor Brantley. Not when he, no, 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 not when he preaches. Just his normal everyday life. No, I'm kidding. Are you in here? I'm, I, wanted, I was hoping to tease him with him present. I didn't do that in the first. That was under the anointing saying that. No, I'm teasing. Okay. So, no, I'm so proud of Pastor Brantley. He's been with us since he was about 20 years old. It's so neat. You know, to, you thought he was 12 already, but, but no, he's like 29. It's been so cool watching him grow in the Lord. I'm just so proud of him. But when it comes down to it, there's many people that do this. It's awesome, but it, it messes your agenda up. But watch this. Verse 6, when it comes to Jesus at the well, it says this in verse 6. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. And it was about the sixth hour. Jesus wearied from, how, have you ever been wearied and you just don't want to talk to anybody? You know, please don't let Ross show up because I don't know if I can handle sitting and listening to, you know what I mean? I get that, I get that. I was doing a hospital visit when I was first starting. I was about uh, 20, 21 years old. And I'm talking to the guy sick in the bed and I swear he says, Pastor, could you leave now? <laughs> so I was like, I will step on your oxygen tube. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. But literally did. He's like, just, just stop, stop, stop talking and, and, and leave. <laughs> so I learned that when people are really sick, they don't, okay, that's a whole other story. So what were we talking about? Squirrels. Um, yeah, Jesus, he was wearied. But Jesus, even though he was wearied, he took time out of his way for this woman. He took time to discuss, to talk. He had an agenda. He knew what he was doing. He knew if she was there at that time, there was a reason for him to reach out to her. I'll explain that in a moment here. But Jesus, what is it in your life that you need to set aside agenda-wise that, that you, just, you just need to go, I need to be here to offer a drink? For the cultists, that drink they're offering is on Sunday mornings, you know? It's awesome. It's so neat what they're doing. And so here's the thing about this. Jesus did this. Why? He did this because there's people in need. 
Desperately. This woman was in desperate need. It says here that it was about the sixth hour. Jews, when they look at time at this time, the sixth hour was actually noon. Okay, That was noon. That was the hottest time of the day. A great time for Jesus to want to get a drink because he's weary, but not a normal time for a normal woman that was an honorable woman to even be at the well. Why? Because the regular people, the regular women, the women that didn't feel ostracized came in the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening. But this woman, most theologians think that she was a woman of ill repute, an immoral woman. Even her story, as we look at the next section of scriptures, begins to unfold. And Jesus says to her, are you married? And she says, no. And prophetically, he says to her, you're absolutely right. You've been married five times. And the man you're with, you're not even married to. Wow, how do you even know this? And even that prophetic word starts to open up some ability for Jesus to speak into. This is why we're going to teach on the Holy Spirit. I want an army of people in this church to be full of the Holy Spirit in such a way that when you're in the community, not in the four walls, but when you're outside the community and you're allowing God to intersect your life with other people because you're walking in intentionality, the Holy Spirit, it's His gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. And so we're going to teach how the Holy Spirit is on the inside, but that moment will put a demand on those gifts. And that's what happened with Jesus. There was a prophetic word, a word of knowledge came forth, and He expressed her heart right to her. Wow. Opened her heart up to receive more that he had to say. That'll happen in and through your lives. Isn't that cool? It is. Not for your glory, but for Jesus to be seen in people's lives. And so here's this woman. She's an immoral woman. Some would even say this. Have you ever heard of a lot lizard? Okay. I got some truckers in the room going, hey, buddy, you want some company? Breaks your heart. You know, that that young woman so bound to drugs or... Identity so crushed that she's went to that lifestyle. Some would say this is the ancient equivalent to a lot lizard. The camels would come to get the water, and the woman's there to help with the water and to offer other services. And she's there at the right time for that because no other respectable woman would be around. And, and Jesus shouldn't talk to that woman. Jesus is intentional. Amen? Here, you may have come in here today thinking the walls would burn down around you, you know? But that's not who Jesus is. He did not slap that woman. He did not ignore that woman. He opened up dialogue with that woman. And that woman, as we see the story unfold, came to the things of Jesus. So awesome. You know why? Because in John 3, 17, Jesus didn't come to this world to condemn this world. Who lied to you if you're here and you thought Jesus came to condemn you? It says Jesus came that the world through him might be saved. That's awesome. Isn't that good? I thought you were bringing me coffee. What? <laughs> she was being intentional. Man, if you were intentional, you'd had three. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. My love for you is lost. It's all right. <laughs> so there's people in need, and that's why we need to be intentional. Now, this next section of scriptures from 16 through 30, I want you to read on your own to kind of speed things up. I want to go down to verse 27, okay? Just then his disciples came back. He's been talking with this woman, and they marveled that he was talking with her, but no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of town and were coming to him. 
I love it. Now, his disciples didn't question it. Why? Because it's the model of Jesus to be intentional. They're used to Jesus talking to folk that you're not supposed to talk to. He's a guy that has parties with the drunks and the publicans. That'd be like us saying the Republicans and Democrats and, 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 and I want to say all of them, and independents and Tea Partyists. It's all crazy, isn't it? But no, Jesus has, the, he has parties with the corrupt. You know, he, they're used to him being intentional when it comes to open his arms and offering a fresh drink. And the reason why is because look, in John chapter 4, verse 31, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him some chicken nuggets? That's what it said. And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you see that? That's the intentionality of Jesus. His food is to do the will who sent him, God that sent him. Jesus was saying this, what I find that satisfies me is the will of God. Nothing satisfies like partnering with the divine plan that God has for your life. Nothing satisfies. Is that good? Nothing at all. During that three-week fast we just came off, if you're honest with yourself, wasn't there something very satisfying about it? I mean, I know you were hungry and you were missing food, but wasn't there something very spiritually satisfying? The reason why is because it was three weeks of extreme intentionality. You were thinking about the food. You were thinking about the Facebook. You were thinking about what you were going to watch and what you weren't going to watch. And if you were going to get to service and get to worship uh, the night of work, you were thinking, you're being intentional. The fast was a season of great intentionality, and we saw the fruit of intentionality. I don't think it's an accident. Can I just be honest? We've grown in January before. We've never had 200 seats in a room, and a month later, we had to add 50 seats. And look at this room. And both the first service looked like this, too. What in the world? You people are crazy. I love it. You know? Every week, lives are coming in. People are inviting people. I'm hearing stories of life changing. Oh, so good. You know? We've never seen nothing. Fruit of intentionality. That's what it is. And I've been saying to my family that this is a year of intentionality for us. I told my staff and our church board, our advisory team, that this is a year of intentionality. And I'm challenging you that this is a word for you today that in this year we should live intentionally. There's a divine invitation to intentionality coming from the throne. And so watch this. In verse 35, Jesus said to him, my food is to do the will of God, right? Now watch, 35. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white to harvest. This is an invitation to intentionality. Basically, he says, look, I know you look around, and when it comes to the natural things, you say it's four months till we're going to reap what's out here in this field that's been sown. He's pointing out to a field. Is what he's, you know. Look, four more months. But he says, look. Lift up your eyes. That's an invitation for intentionality. Look, there's the invitation to do what? To lift up your eyes. And don't look at what's natural. Look at what's supernatural. Look at what God's about to try to do here and amongst these people. Get your eyes off the physical harvest and realize there's a spiritual harvest ready to be reaped right now. What Jesus is showing here, be intentional to get your eyes off the natural and set them clearly upon the supernatural. There's an invitation, I love it, an invitation to intentionality. 
Look. Everybody say look. look. Say lift up your eyes. Up your eyes. Oh, say this. Say I will lift up my eyes. That's a good place to start, isn't it? When our eye, if he would have walked with his eyes hung low and not paid attention to that woman, we wouldn't be reading this story today. Jesus walked with his eyes up, looking for the harvest all around him. Lives that would be reaped for the glory of God, that would come in to the fold of God. Do you not say, verse 36, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you do not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. What's that saying? All that is saying is, it's quick. It's ground, seeds going in the ground, and now it's being harvested when it comes to spiritual things. We've been seeing that happen at Momentum Church. And it's cute because people will say, man, you guys have grown so fast. No, we haven't. It's been 11 years. But we're in a gathering season. Do you realize since August, about 130 people have been gathered into this family? Now listen, if you're in this family, I don't care if you've been here 10 years or if you've been here three weeks, you're mishpaka. Everybody say that's fun, mishpaka. Your family, that's awesome. I will smack somebody if they talk about you. Maybe not, but still, I will think evil thoughts about them if they talk about you. No, but we're family, you know, and we're going to be intentional because guess what? God's bringing more family in. He are, we've got to go to a third service soon. I'm just throwing it out there. There's not much more room in here to grow. Amen? First service feels very much the same. I don't know when, but I know that's coming. Why? Because we want people to know that they can get a drink from the well. We're not going to shut the well off and become an us 400 and no more group of people. You know? And so there's people that need that drink. And that's what we're here for is to offer that. And I just want to challenge you to look, to lift up your eyes for those opportunities to make a difference. And finally, as we close, the lasting fruit of intentionality we see in John chapter 4, verse 39 through 42. This is the lasting fruit of intentionality. It says, many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Whoa, wait a second. The woman got intentional too? Yes. You know why? Because saved people saved people. Changed people, changed people. Healed people, healed people. Delivered people bring deliverance to people. Healthy people bring health to people. Amen? And so God starts to do a work in her and already she don't wait. She gets out there and she starts to have her, ah, her testimony. And he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. More intentionality. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. We lift our eyes, we look, we do our part, and Jesus makes himself known. Man, it's not us that brings the fruit, it's him that brings the harvest. We just, we just do this, we just gather, we just gather. He's bringing the harvest and we just gather. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Jesus. And so that lasting fruit of intentionality. And that's why one of our core values at the church, core value number four, is intentionality in ministry. That we want and we value intentional, focused, 
practical ministry. We don't have a thousand and one things we do around here. We're trying to do the few things that we do well, but we don't want intentionality in ministry to be something the church does because you're the church. We want you to live intentionality, intentionally. And as you live intentionally, it makes a difference in this world. Why do we do what we do? Why am I challenging you intentionality? Because everyone needs a story of hope. Amen? Those little children being ministered by the cultists will walk in a story of hope that they wouldn't have experienced without. I love this. When it comes to this idea of being a minister, can I ask you how many ministers we have at Momentum Church? Do you know, I think today, probably between 425, 450 ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or else I thought we had 10 of you on the lead team and, you know, six on your advisory team and 40-some team lead. No, 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 no. Every single person, man, woman, child, you're a minister of hope, a dispenser of hope. Isn't that awesome? It's who you are. You will become a minister of hope when you choose to allow intentionality to intersect your life. That's when it happens. When you wake up in the morning going, God, what will you do in and through my life today? As I climb higher, who will you allow me to help climb higher? You know? Last week, this beautiful lady, <laughs> come on, Amy, honey, wave your hands. Joel, man, he's so pretty. Susan and Hank, we love you already, I'm telling you. You've been here, what, three weeks, four weeks now? It's awesome. Man, love it. We baptized her last week. And she shared her testimony. I want to share something that she had sent me. She said this, I want to let you know what is happening in my life as you see my family is attending with me. My husband Joel and two of my three boys. The third boy came last Sunday. Pray for Chandler. Amen. My mom, Susan, and father Hank, we've never attended church as a family. When I first attended Momentum, I was unchurched. Not sure of my beliefs, but I wanted more. I was desiring to fill a void. Sounds like a thirsty woman at a well, doesn't it? I was a few, I, I, I was unsure, uh, where am I at? Not sure of my beliefs. Uh, after a few months, I still did not know what my beliefs were. I reached out to Stephanie, and she said, just keep coming. So I did. Barbie and I have been friends, it's a lady in the neighborhood, for years. A year before I came to Momentum, I poured my heart out to her. We never really talked about it much until the night of worship, that night of worship. She and I got down on our knees and prayed for me. We prayed for healing and forgiveness. We prayed for my past to no longer bind me. I felt it. I had a real moment where my life was filled with Jesus. I have felt different since. Awesome, full, loved. Come on. You know, one of the, 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 the two kids, you know where they're at right now? They're back in the kids' church. People are serving and loving on them. That's important because Amy was able to be reached by Jesus right here. And Joel's being reached by Jesus. And Susan and Hank being reached by Jesus. I love it. Susan and Hank bought her the most beautiful Bible. Huge. You could kill somebody with that thing. Big old. <laughs> they asked me to, to sign it. And, um, and it was so big, it took me about a half hour because I really wanted to fill up a, you know, a page. It was... It was big. I'm so proud of her. She's growing. But your ministry, your hearts on Sunday morning, living intentionally, help make that happen. Barbie, living intentionally, help make that happen. Stephanie, intentionally, help make that happen. Susan and Hank, in their daughter's life, 
help make that happen. Joel, man, this is good stuff. Another child, and we're going to close with this. Close to two months ago, this is a letter. Remember Austin that got baptized, 15-year-old boy? His mama sent this letter. Close to two months ago, my family and I were at a desperate crossroads as to what to do about a church home. We had spent months upon months searching for the place that would finally feel safe like home. From the moment we had the privilege of walking into the church, we knew something was different. There is always an instant bright smile and continuous waves waiting us, awaiting us as we turn into the momentum parking lot, even on the coldest and most bitter of days. I love that. Chip out there waving, you know. He's like a postman. It doesn't matter if it's sunny, hot, raining, snow, sleet, you know. He's going to deliver the mail, you know. I love it. And then our walk to the sanctuary includes no less than a handful of people welcoming us and telling us just how glad they are that we chose to spend our Sunday morning in the Momentum House. You know what's cool about that? We don't have that ministry established. I don't know if you know that. We got Chip out there and we got some people at the doors, but people greeting in the hall and out there, like that's just the people. That's y'all wanting to be intentional, not putting your head down when you come to church, but going, God, use me. We're here for you, Jesus, but we're here to reach our family. God, use me today to bring an encouragement to somebody, you know? And she saw that. She said, a transparent spirit of joy, love, and acceptance is among you. The outward happiness each of you shines is infectious, and we desperately want to obtain what all of you have. It's Jesus. Last Sunday was one of the greatest moments for our family as we were being honored to stand in front of the Momentum family. As you baptized our son, Austin Hicks, as a Christian mama, I have often dreamed of the day that my children would have the courage and wisdom to choose to profess their faith and love openly for our Savior, Jesus Christ. The moment that Austin's beautiful face went underneath the water, I had a peace wash over me, and I knew his life would forever be transformed and piloted by our Heavenly Father. With a grateful heart, David and I want to extend our deepest gratitude to you and Momentum Church for not only showing the love of Jesus, but more importantly, being the vessels that brought our son Austin to Jesus Christ, a priceless gift above all else. Isn't that awesome? Amen. That's what living intentionally does in the four walls of the church. It works outside the four walls of the church also. About a month and a half ago, Brian, and I know this will surprise you, Brian Choate and I, we went to a buffet. I know that's going to surprise you. <laughs> and this is before my deliverance came. By the way, I've lost 30 pounds. Shut up, Shelby. When I lose 50, you can be real happy, but, but um, my wife's like, keep going, keep going. No, no. Um, but, but we did. We went to a buffet. And... Um, and when we got there, we got talking to a fella. He had an Indian motorcycle, and we had motorcycles, so it was easy to talk to him because of our interest. But we invited him to church, and they were here this morning, and they brought people. And, and um, Danny, one of the guys that came with him, was a friend. And you can see how as the church grows, what happens. We invited a guy, and he brings his wife. But then Danny invited a friend, and those two know each other, so they all showed up, you know. What I'm saying is intentionality brought that opportunity, okay? Okay. Um, Jesus died on the cross, not a spirit, but a man. God always uses flesh. It's just how he organizes this world. Rarely is something just happens without human intervention. That's why Jesus came like a man. It's just the way the world is, is kind of ordained and governed. 
And so all I'm saying is, if we're the body of Christ, we've got to be intentional because we're the body of Christ. No other body is walking by a well looking for a woman that needs Jesus. No other body, we're the body, no other body is going through life looking for somebody that needs a miracle. We're, when the body ceases to listen to the mind, it could be something as simple as palsy, and it frustrates so much. It could be something as deep and tragic as ALS, where the body becomes something completely segmented from the way the mind is telling the muscles to work, and function ceases. It's not who we, we're the body of, everybody go ahead, we're the body of Christ. If the body of Christ does not live intentionally, then the body of Christ will not do ministry. Period. We don't ask anybody else out there outside the four walls of the church to do his work. Boy, that's simple, isn't it? We do his work. And so what I want to ask you to do, because God is bringing a harvest into this house. Before we came, we were about 315 people, and we had about 160 volunteers, adults and teens. That's a huge percentage of volunteers. Amen? Pastor friends of mine would kill to have that kind of over 50% participation in volunteer. But we've grown 130 people. We can't go to a third service without your help. And so your family now. If you've been here a long time, it's time to serve. If you're new, it's time to serve in the four walls and out. But a harvest is coming here. So we're going to make it easy on you, kind of. I created a sheet. And I forgot to put a place for your name. I am sorry. It's a great sheet. We got all these people signed up. Don't know who they are. No. <laughs> Help your pastor, okay? On the top of the sheet, write your name, your email, and your phone number. We don't need your address right now. Just your name, your email, and your phone number. And on it, on the left side are asterisked ministries that are three greatest needs. Guest services, mo kids, and facilities. We need this place to be clean, and we're killing the few people that do it, you know? And so if you're a more behind-the-scenes person, perfect. And then on this side, creative arts, worship, and tech, and empire. Not every ministry of the church is listed. These are the areas of need right now. Now listen, if you sign up for any ministry that's with children, 18 and below, or high school and below, you got to be here six months. But still sign up. We'll get you in the process. We're very big on you know, being, being careful with their kids, all right? And I tell people, that's not to protect our kids. That's to protect you. Because you see the men in my church, you won't get out the four walls of this church. <laughs> If you touch one of these kids, Justin, we'll sick Justin on him, I'll tell you right now. So, so it's six months of waiting, you're looking for children's ministry, and then we do background checks and all that stuff, but, but still, would you help us with this? Amen? I'm just going to be honest, our church in Ohio, we grew fast like this. We had a season where we went from four to 650 in two months, and we just had no, we needed so many volunteers, and that day I actually had tables brought up, and our altar call was come to the tables and sign. There's not enough room for us to do that. And we don't want you to be here forever. I've already held you way longer than I should. But that same kind of spirit, we had 90 that day, new people sign up for ministry. I believe today we can have 40 people, new people, 45 new people sign up for ministry. I really do. And so sign up, and we're going to do work, work of the Lord. Amen? And, um, and, then, and, then, and, then, and then God just will give us more and more opportunities. You know, I heard it said one time, if you're not serving, you're swerving. Man, if we're climbing high, man, it's intentional to do that. But if we're not climbing, if we're not taking people with us, we're, we're missing it. We're swerving, you know? I love you people. Thank you for the honor to pastor you. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.